Hello, I'm Alma Schneider. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mother of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. And I am Iris Miller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and the proud mother of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising children with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms, No Fluff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Moms, No Fluff, the podcast in which we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. I'm Iris Miller, and I'm here with my partner and host, Alma Schneider. Hello, Alma. Hello, how are you? I'm great and so happy to be here. And we also have a special guest, and I'll let Alma introduce our special guest today. Great. Uh, thank you for that lovely introduction, Iris. Um, I am very excited about our guest today. It is a topic that... Um, you know, nobody wants to talk about, but it's very important to talk about. We have Lisa Lisser here, who is here to talk about her work with divorce coaching. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So happy to have you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to talk with us. But this is a topic that I think, you know, we both think it's it's really important that people find out you know, how to navigate this really difficult stage of life for some people. So to start off, can you tell us just a little bit about, you know, who you are, where you're from, who's your, in your family, just to get started? Sure, sure absolutely. So um, I grew up in a lovely family of five. I grew up in suburban New Jersey. Um, my parents met when they were children. And, you know, we had had no friends who were divorced. It was everybody was in like a, a family unit that was intact. Mm -hmm. um, I have an identical twin sister. I have a younger sister. And yes, we have that. Wow. And um, we grew up in a family that had a strong Jewish identity. And um, that was part of who we were. Um, I fell in love with theater. I wanted to be a Broadway star mm -hmm. and I was a theater major in college. Um, but I didn't really want to be a waitress. That scared me. And so <laughs> I went to law school and I became a big firm litigator. Um, I married the boy I met in college and um, practiced law for a number of years and then started having uh, my kids. I have three children who are now 27 is my oldest, my son. I have a 25-year-old daughter and a 22-year-old. So they're all grown and flown. And, um, and we had a lovely life in um, New Jersey. But as you know, life takes different turns. You think you're on a path. And um, when my son was six, he was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And that changed our vision of what life was supposed to be like. And, um, you know, we managed, but we handled it differently. You know, everybody deals with these kinds of, of changes to our life path differently. And um, it was one of a number of things in our life that didn't go according to plan and Ultimately, my husband and I um, became divorced after 20, 
four years of marriage. So we were together a long time. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what was going through, you know, life and divorce was a big question mark for me. And that was really hard. And, um, but what I did know is I, I, I needed to reinvent myself. I went back to school, got a master's in Jewish education. Um, in the process, I also got a certificate in spiritual counseling. And um, I was working at that time with a population in addiction and recovery. And that was really deep, intensive work. And I recognized that spiritual counseling could be support for people going through divorce. But I didn't know how to pitch it. You know, to be perfectly honest, I thought like, how could I go to attorneys and say, I'm a spiritual counselor and I think your clients could really use what I have learned. I just thought they would laugh. And so I went forward with my Jewish education degree and I became an assistant director of a religious school. I wrote curricula, I taught adults and I moved on in that direction. And then I heard about this thing called divorce coaching. And that's where we get to where we are today. And I, um, I dropped everything and I, I got certified as a, a divorce coach. And that's what I'm practicing right now. And it's, um, it's deep, amazing work. Wow. Lisa, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing this interesting life story and uh, how you even got into divorce coaching in the first place. That's really interesting. I wanted to ask you uh, if you can share with our audience, uh, what does a divorce coach really do? And how does the process of uh, coaching for people uh, who are going through divorce looks like? Sure. Um, so when you think about divorce and you think about the kind of help you need, the first thing that people often think about is I have to get a lawyer. And because you really don't know until you've gone through the process, you don't know anything about it. You're a beginner. And um, when I went through it, I, I was terrified. I didn't know what the process entailed. And I really needed someone to hold my hand. Even though I had been an attorney, I wasn't a, a family law lawyer. I didn't know what I needed to protect myself. And I let lawyers make a lot of decisions for me. So what does a divorce coach do? A divorce coach helps people walk the path of divorce with a partner. So I help uncover the issues that are most important for the client. And they can be issues of communication. It could be every time I am in a room with my soon-to-be ex-spouse, I, I have an anxiety attack. I don't know how to be in the same space anymore. Mm -hmm. So we can work on exercises about what can you do to make that feel different. Mm -hmm. And we do role playing and we do conflict pivot exercises and we do mindset exercises. So that's sort of the touchy feely part, mm -hmm. but it really is powerful work because when you can shift your mindset just a little bit, it means your communication will shift just a little bit. And the person you're communicating with 
often shifts just a little bit too. Mm -hmm. They don't realize how different you can be because they only know one version of you that has evolved after many years of stress. Mm -hmm. And, And they're only expecting the stressed out version of you, not a different version. Mm-hmm. And so if I can help my clients present differently, not just to their ex-spouse, but to their lawyers, then they're going to be a more credible client. If my client is having a problem with their spouse and they just want to, you know, let out all of their emotions and it's like, oh, it's like a fire hose of complaints and and crying and tears and this happened and that happened, it's way better for them to share those words and that experience with me, their divorce coach, than mm-hmm. their attorney for a number of reasons. One, it costs less. My time <laughs> is less expensive than their lawyer's time. Two, their lawyer really is not trained to separate their emotions from the legal issues. And what I do is I help them separate the emotions of divorce Mm -hmm. from the business of divorce. Mm. So when I get these stories, I, I ask them for permission if I can interrupt and then I reflect back. So what I'm hearing is You are so frustrated and it seems that the frustration is coming from, and then I try to identify the issue and I ask them if I've gotten it right. And frankly, it doesn't matter if I did or if I didn't, because Mm -hmm. if I did get it right, they'll nod their head and they'll say, yes, that's exactly it. But if I didn't get it right, then I'll say, tell me where I got it wrong And now they can articulate it better, Mm -hmm. which will help them when they have to articulate it for their attorney. Wow. So that's a bit of what I do. Yeah. And I'm sure that every client is different and you have a different, you know, process with each one, but that's, that's really, uh, you know, the interesting, you know, new part is, is it'll save you time and money with the, with the lawyer, which is what, why a lot of people don't want to get divorced in the first place because they don't want to deal with all that. So that's really interesting. Um, as you know, we are, uh, you know, two moms, no fluff is about, you know, how to raise your kids with disabilities. So putting on my, you know, disability hat, um, do, have you found an, a difference between, uh, dealing with couples who are separating who have a child with a disability and those or children with disabilities um, from people who who do not have a child with a disability. Do you see anything there that's different? You know, what I have seen is there is more fear about separating. You know, I'm thinking about one specific client who is really struggling and right now, Um, her daughter is 26 years old and um, you know, there, there's financial things in place to take care of her child, but she's really concerned about issues that don't impact families without children with disabilities Mm -hmm. and what that means for her daughter and like where 
her soon-to-be ex-spouse will be in even paying any attention to this child. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of separating to her also means that maybe her, her husband will never see this child again. And she doesn't know if she's prepared for that regardless mm -hmm. of the negative situation that she's in. So that is part of it. Now that's not to say that's not part of lots of other divorces. Mm -hmm. but it feels heightened yes at, at least from my from where i stand mm -hmm. that particular situation feels heightened mm -hmm. and in other situations i've heard people say you know we need specific medical equipment that we get from insurance and i don't know if i can get two sets so there's one at my house and one at his house. Mm, wow. Very technical, very, very practical issues. Yeah. That are necessary. That are necessary. And so those are the things that I think are unique to families with special needs. Mm -hmm. And so what I would work on is helping people figure out how do we articulate what we need and how do we figure out who are the experts that we actually need to find mm -hmm. to help us resolve those situations? Okay, great. So Lisa, that leads me kind of to the other question. And uh, this, this is all very informative and um, relevant to a lot of the parents that are in our group. I was wondering, uh, which other professionals do you usually collaborate with uh, in your work? If you can name a few and how, how do you kind of cross uh, paths with them? So, you know, I have relationships with attorneys and um, I have spoken about my work with um, therapists as well. But the, the people I collaborate most with are financial advisors. Um, because you don't always realize that you need a financial advisor when you're going through divorce, because you think that your attorney is like your financial advisor because you're, you're doing a financial settlement agreement, but your attorney doesn't always think of all the tax implications and all of the, the details that are going to impact what the settlement really means. And so what I've discovered while doing this work is that having a financial advisor on board who could be a certified divorce financial advisor, there is a certification for this, um, can really help every person going through divorce figure out like, what does my budget need to be? What does my financial picture look like now? And what will it look like into the future? What kind of trust will I need to have if I don't already know, mm -hmm. right? I think there are some expertises that people who have children with disabilities might already be familiar with, but are there others that could exist that maybe you don't know about? And if you have a financial advisor, they can help you uncover what's out there that you might not know about. Yeah. And so I, I think that that's really important. Yeah. Thank well, you. It's a multidisciplinary team. Yeah. Yeah. So you've sort of answered this question a little bit, but uh, how mediation is different from what you do. And what I'm gathering is that your mediation is 
with both people at the same time, you're doing it with an individual. Is that the right. main difference? Because it sounds a lot like mediation. It also sounds a lot like couples counseling, but there are these little, you know, nuanced differences that really make it, you know, specific to what the needs of the people are. Right, right. So, so it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? Mm -hmm. So um, divorce coaching is not mediation. It's not couples counseling. It's not individual therapy. But I am working with one person in the couple. And I'm working with that person to help them find their voice mm -hmm. and to help them really uncover what is it that they need to move forward and what is it that they want to move forward mm -hmm. and what can they imagine that they never had to imagine before. So if I'm working with someone who's going through a mediation they can share with me what are the issues on the schedule to be discussed. And if let's say the issue is the house and they don't know, or they think they wanna keep the house, but they're not sure. Mm -hmm. So we could actually have a session discussing why is the house important to you? And practically, what does it mean to keep the house, right? What does it mean to you? Is there, are there emotional reasons? Financially, is this a good idea? Have you tried to refinance or could you? And you know, what's, what are your kids' ages? Where do they go to school? Like there's a host of questions and the idea is not for me to answer the questions for the client, but for the client to consider questions that she might not have considered before and ask new questions. Yeah. And ask questions that are really about her future rather than about her past. So, and that, that goes to the difference between coaching and therapy. Mm -hmm. Because in therapy, you're sort of unraveling your past to, to sort of discern how it's impacting your present. And in coaching, you're unraveling your present and being present so that you can design your future. Mm, beautifully put. And yeah. I, I hate to say it, but I would imagine that some people would want to keep a house or something out of spite, things like that, and that they haven't even thought through and that through these discussions, there can be some clarity and some, well, is that really going to serve you best in the end? <laughs> right, right. I was I was in a session today with a client, and um, we were working on terms of a settlement agreement. And her her soon to be ex has a really difficult time giving her anything in the agreement with clarity. There's always like hemming and hawing. But he actually gave her the term that she wanted. Although in the email, he equivocated, but he gave her the term that she wanted. Yet she didn't feel like she could be happy because she was so used to the, you know, the other shoe dropping. Yeah. And the fight, you know, you get used and to the, the fight. fight. And so what we worked on was how can you resolve your hemming, your issue inside?
-hmm. by answering his concern and getting what you want. Mm -hmm. And so we did a whole sort of analysis of other terms in the agreement where she could actually respond where she already has responded and mm -hmm. appear as if she was giving something up that she already had agreed to, but he just forgot because he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so, you know, there are ways we can make things work for everybody. And I imagine you work with men as well as women. Yeah, so, I do. Yeah. I do. So I have a question. I had the pleasure of reading your article in our newsletter and you spoke there a little bit about uh, some situations in which through the coaching process, the couple ended up staying together. And I wanted to ask you specifically of, in your opinion, when is it that, you know, the 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 couple has gone through the point of no return and it's like unsalvageable like uh, what's your opinion about that you know there are times that you meet a couple or you meet a person and when she tells she or he tells you the story you hear things in the story that you recognize are unsalvageable and it could be, it could be an affair. It could be, a, it could be lying and, and narcissism. I, I hate to use a word that gets thrown around a lot, but there are familiar behaviors that come out and they're patterns. So when you see certain patterns of behavior in the other spouse, and then you see, um, a client who keeps on hoping that the spouse is gonna change and return to a different behavior, you know that that's not, that is a seesaw that's not going to balance. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's when my role becomes, let's look at your spouse and start believing what they're saying. If they're saying they're done, let's start believing them. And that's a really hard thing to have to share. Um, there are other situations where they're having communication issues because they have three young kids and they never have time alone. And they, they always think this one thinks that that one's doing more work and that one thinks that this one's doing more work. And you know, finances are this. And like, maybe if they actually just took a break and stopped being in the blame game, they could find a way forward. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's other, there, it depends on if, as um, the Gottmans talk about. So the Gottman Institute has, has different ways of, of looking at this and they're like the Love Institute. Um, when there is deep contempt between the two in the couple, that's something that is very hard to come back from. Mm -hmm. But there are other ways that people can communicate that you can return from. Okay. Yeah, that sort of answered the next question that we had for you, which is what, uh, uh, what are the common themes for why people do get divorced? So it sounds like you know, bringing it back to a form of couples counseling, 
going through that, even with one individual, I could see um, them stepping back and saying, wow, this is, maybe this is just, you know, the way we're communicating or, you know, there is something that we can do to salvage this as opposed to, you know, being betrayed repeatedly and being lied to. And so uh, very, very interesting. And it just, it just seems like there's so much, there's so much support that's needed in any kind of a crisis or a trauma and adding divorce coaching just seems like it sort of fills in the cracks from couples counseling, from mediation, from the lawyers. It's just, it's sort of like the person coming in and doing the whack-a-mole, the emotional whack-a-mole and the practical whack-a-mole in between all the oh, professionals. I'm not sure I love the whack-a-mole in, <laughs> image, but I, I would prefer that. I'm like the bridge between, the bridge, between, the bridge. Therapy, between therapy and lawyering, right? Yes. So yes. because like the therapist is dealing with the emotional issues, but not dealing with the legal pieces that like the client really needs to know, how am I supposed to deal with going into that mediation room? I'm afraid. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I can deal with what's in the middle, yeah. right? I can't give a legal opinion, but I can help you articulate why it's so important for you that you be the first line of communication with the school that it, that they call you first no matter what. And that you're the one who has a relationship with all of the people on site, yeah. right? I can, I can help you articulate why that's so important. And, and if it's the, between you and your lawyer, somehow your lawyer is not hearing you. I can help you find words that give you clarity and take out all the emotional words so that so that you can, you know, if you have like a three page run on sentence email, your lawyer's not gonna read it, but he'll take the time to open it and then send it to the junior associate who will open it and then start and then send it to the paralegal, will then send it back. So now you've got three bills, but if you just send it to me, I will look at it and I will say, okay, let's find your five bullet points and you're going to send your lawyer five bullet points and that's it. And now so your legal background really helps with, with, you know, you're not giving them legal advice, but your legal background is very helpful in these, in these situations. Yeah. I, so. I have a question that uh, kind of popped up as you were talking about uh, uh, the last uh, question. Basically, I think a lot of families uh, in, you know, the disability space, they are kind of collapsing with the tasks of the day-to-day -day grind of caregiving. And uh, especially when there are multiple children in the family, sometimes multiple children with disabilities in the family. And then uh, the, the glue that keeps a couple together kind of falls apart in the sense that everybody's just trying to survive within that system. And there isn't any issue of lying, betrayal, or personality changes. It's just that they drift apart because of the uh, reality of their life. Uh, do you have an advice for a couple like that, that they're, they, they are kind of not in the same place they used to be in their relationship, but there isn't maybe a concrete reason to kind of Close store and move on. Uh, do you have any idea or yeah. suggestions? So, you know, 
I don't just do divorce coaching, right? I, I do spiritual counseling and I also have clients that I'm doing life transition coaching with. So what I do in those circumstances is I help people find different ways to communicate with each other. Because sometimes we get caught in cycles where every time our partner forgets to turn on the dishwasher when it's his job to put the dishes in the dishwasher, we get so angry, right? But there are ways to respond to that without a snarky comment, right? There are ways to talk to each other where we recognize what, what the good is. And I speak to these clients about filling up their cups. Like if we can fill up each other's cups with some positivity and remembering what brought us together in the first place, then there'll be gas in the tank, as it were, to keep us going when things are a little rougher. And so that's what I work on with some of these clients. You know, to what is the gas in the tank? You know, there's, there's a lot of spirituality that, that I can talk about if my clients are open to different kinds of learning. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really the, the work that I do in that is based on um, Bible and learning that is accessible to all because it's very ancient um, work. And it's, it's about how we are with each other and about what is connection about and how do we connect? And what you were talking about, Iris, is that when there's so many things that we have to take care of, that we forget how to connect with the people who are most important to us, we need to be reminded about that. Like, what is it about connection that is so important? And when I, um, when I was writing my capstone curriculum for my, my master's, um, I focused, uh, I wrote a curriculum for parents of, of kids who were dealing with addiction and mental health crises. And I called it Talking to God um, because we all need to reach out to something, some higher power. And I actually looked to um, Brene Brown for the definition of connection. And she says that connection is feeling seen, heard, and that you matter to someone else. And if I wanna feel like I matter, I should make the person that I'm married to, who is supposed to be my partner in life, feel like they matter too. And that, those are the kinds of things that we can talk about. And you know, when you talk about God and spirituality, like if we feel like we don't matter, like all we are is like the person making sure that everything gets done because it has to get done. And, but we're just like the servant in the process, but we don't really matter. Then we've lost sight of our own inner goodness and we need to connect to something outside of ourselves. And that's, that's where the, the spirituality and the like, that's where the God work comes in. But I don't force God on anyone. I mean, I could be replaced with anything, you know, right. anything that's important to the person. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a higher power. It's, you know, it's the energy that's out there. What does the universe provide us? You know, that glorious sunset, you know, like something in, in this universe created that. And um, that's where I go with some of that. And ultimately, I just want people to hold their hearts safe. Mm -hmm. And if no one's holding your heart, then who's holding your spouse's heart? And so you're both struggling. And yeah, you might have different styles of how you deal with it. But you probably never think about that. Yeah, because there's no time. And that's, you know, that's really, you know, you sort of answered our, our final question, which is what is the greatest tip, you know, that you can think of for a family that's got a child with a disability who is, you know, on the verge of divorce or, or separation. Yeah. And it's really making sure that you're doing that for each other because it's so easy, you know, having a child or children with disabilities really, as Iris mentioned, it's, you know, for some people it is 24 seven nonstop, um, you know, fear, hypervigilance, you yeah. know, just, just the day-to-day minutia is so overwhelming that, you know, we feel like there's no time to pay attention to this one, to this yeah. one. She can take care of herself. She can take care of herself. We're dealing with the important stuff. At a certain point, that's going to be affected. It's going to take a huge toll. And that's where, that's where sometimes the hypervigilance needs to get rolled back. Like, where can you find three minutes? Mm -hmm. And then where can you find another three minutes? so that you can put together 15 intentional minutes to be with your partner, mm -hmm. even if it's hiding in the closet. <laughs> it's been done. <laughs> no doubt. The bathroom, the bathroom. <laughs> Thank you TMI, for sharing. I, I wasn't meaning, I'm just talking about conversations. I don't know where your mind was, but I was talking about conversations. We have to do a lot of whispering in this house because they're very, <laughs> very uh, <laughs> good hearing sense. sense awesome. Lisa, I want to really thank you for your time today and the information and advice. I can totally see how many different people can really benefit from your services and your work. And I appreciate you sharing some tips and some ideas and concepts with us today. Um, Ama, do you have any final questions? Uh, no, I'm just very appreciative uh, of your sharing your 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 work with us. I think it's really really important. We've had um, Lisa at presented our group. Uh, she has been in our newsletter, and um, we will be sharing this podcast far and wide because I think it's really really important information to you know to after the you know during before during and after. And for those who are not in that pathway, because all I can take from this conversation today is that I'm running back to my husband's office now to give him a big hug and appreciate him for who he is and for sticking in. <laughs> just sticking around. Yes. Yeah. Patting yourself on the back for sticking around. <laughs> yeah, because you know what? You, you feel better when you give to other people, right? And mm -hmm. so giving an unexpected hug even just squeezing your husband's hand when he's not expecting it can make a difference. It's gonna feel like something. I just got like the chills from saying that. So, you know, 
I, I think that all of that is really powerful. And I am not a person who's in favor of divorce. I'm in favor of marriage. But when it happens, I just want people to know they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And it's not the end. Yeah. You know, it, it's not the end. It's really the beginning to, of something new. Mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. So um, what I would like to share, though, is that you can find me. I have a website. Okay. I'm at lzlcoaching.com. Um, and you can email me, lisa at lzlcoaching.com. Right. Lisa, thank right. you very, very much. And uh, I uh, would also share that uh, if you want to read uh, Lisa's article on our newsletter, you can uh, basically subscribe to the newsletter on our website, www.twomomsnofluff.com. And in addition, please uh, share our podcast, give us a five-star rating so other families and other parents can hear about it and uh, benefit from this free content on so many different topics. It's been almost, uh, well, by the time we aired this one, two years of content that we released and uh, really uh, important for new parents, especially that are going through a new diagnosis to get someone to orient them to all of those topics that we discuss here. Lisa, thank you again so very much. Alma, thank you again so very much. Thank you. Thank you, as always. <laughs> thank All you, right. and we'll see you all next time. Thank you so much. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.